Bible, turn with us, with us to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I'm interested this morning in just a few verses. I'm only actually going to preach on one word to you for you this morning. Uh, and it goes hand in hand with everything we've sung about. Uh, it goes hand in hand with the testimonies that we've heard this morning. And, uh, but now I'm going to have to be truthful with you about something. I'm going to have to build this case just a little bit. I, I was told one time that doctrinal preaching about why you believe what you believe and why you believe it and these, these sort of things uh, it does, is, is often boring. Uh, but when you read in the scripture and, and the Bible tells us some things and gives us some words and that sort of thing, uh, then uh, at, the, at the end of the day, really and truly, uh, it'll light you fire when you realize exactly what God's done through Jesus Christ. Uh, and so uh, Paul, the apostle, was writing to the church at Rome, uh, and he, uh, he, he gets to verse number five, or chapter number five and verse number one, and he says, therefore, uh, if you will stand with me, stand with me. I'm going to get you to stand just a little bit. In honor. I, I'm going to tell you something, all right? Uh, it's been a long time since I felt what I've been feeling in my soul this week, and, and if you don't like it, I, then I'm, I apologize uh, for the fact that I ain't going to change, I ain't going to back up, and I'm not going to put it in reverse. I, I feel like God's stirring in me and he's doing it for a reason and uh, so because of that and if you don't like excitement if you don't like enthusiasm then when you get to heaven you ain't going to like being around me because I won't be contained in this sinful body I'm going to be in a glorified body and I'm going to turn it loose the best way I know I can amen but between then and there I'm a practice while I'm here all right Romans chapter 5, beginning verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. Now, I'm going to read that because it has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to preach in just a minute. But the reason that I wanted to read that to you is because you know what it means when you see some old saints of God, gray hair, battered and worn, and they begin to praise God for the goodness that they've been through as He's walked with them through sickness, He's walked through them through separation, He's walked through them through sadness, He's been there through every valley, he's crested every mountaintop, he's been there with them what Paul's saying here is we can rejoice in these tribulations because the more we are troubled and tribulated, if that's even a word but you understand what I mean, if I just made it up it'll be in a dictionary shortly but if we go through these tribulations what happens is it's in them tribulations we get to experience what do we get to experience? The grace and the glory of an almighty God who has done abundantly above and beyond what we could ever ask or expect and so we go through those tribulations and it gives us experience and the more we experience him the more hope we have and the more hope we have the more we got to hold on to and the more we got to hold on to the better off we'll be amen hallelujah to his name this morning I, I know that has absolutely nothing to do with being justified but I want to tell you this morning that as you go through these difficulties and as you go through that Satan's going to war against you there's going to be 
broken hearted times there's going to be times of burden but those are building in you and me experience which leads to hope and hope is what we all need because without hope we have nothing and our hope is anchored in Jesus Christ alone it's not in church it's not in church functions it's not in church traditions it is only in the finished accomplished work of Jesus Christ let's pray Father in heaven we thank you for all that you've done for us for what you're doing in us I thank you Lord for the presence I fear here, feel here at Grassy Creek here this morning I pray God if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord that before I say the last amen that Lord that they are in this altar asking you for salvation that they are asking you Lord for uh, the 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 grace that can lead them through each and every trial and tribulation that is here and I pray God that you would save that soul that is here Lord for us that are saints that have been saved by your grace and we know what it means to be your uh, children and for you to be our savior I ask God you would encourage us that you would uh, give us Lord some excitement enthusiasm about what you've done in Christ's name we do pray amen justification if you will uh, back up to chapter number four uh Paul is actually giving uh, the uh, Romans uh, Abraham as an example. Now I'm going to bounce around a little bit because uh, I believe this. The Bible is the best commentary on itself. And so in order for me to build my case this morning uh, on justification, in order for me to be able to give you what is needed, I want to use the Bible to back up what I'm having to say. Okay? And so uh, Paul is using Abraham and he's talking about all the things that Abraham endured and he did. And he did it based on faith. I want to say to you this morning, the greatest tool, weapon you have is faith. I was listening to some preaching just this past week on the shield of faith and how that that shield that Paul would talk about in Ephesians was wrapped in leather, soaked in water, and that when it says above all things, the preacher brought out that he's not talking about necessarily the priority of the shield of faith, but the position of the shield of faith that if you hold that shield of faith above all things what is able to happen is it can quench the darts of the devil the fiery darts of the devil your faith my faith is essential to us being able to get through everything and Abraham put his faith and trust in God. The word faith is the word Greek word pistis. I think I said that right. It's P-I-S-T-I-S. And it actually means that it is a conviction that leads to an action. All right? Uh, you came here this morning with the conviction that you could get something from church. And I want to say to you, if you come expecting, you can leave expecting. And what your expectations are will depend on what you get. There's a lot of us come in here and we sit down like this and we don't expect nothing and we leave with nothing. We come in expecting humdrum, run of the mill, and what we get is humdrum, run of the mill. Amen? I, I, I mean, I, I knew as hard as hell's been fighting me all week, God had something in store for Grassy Creek Baptist Church this morning.
And I know he's got something in store for you. And so I come expecting and I come fighting. As a matter of fact, I come with my shield of faith and I was willing to do whatever I could to get here to be able to preach. Now, I'll be honest with you, I weaned out in the 8.30 service and I got Brother Brett to preach for me because I laid down about 1 o'clock this morning from that meeting and I called him yesterday, Friday. I said, Brother, I don't believe I've got enough mustard to do Troutacular Saturday morning, preach that meeting in Cullaway on Saturday evening and be at that 8.30 service and be able to give it anything. But now, you know what I did do? I slept till I woke up this morning, turned my alarm clock off, and I slept till I woke up this morning and got up ready to come to 11 o'clock service. Amen? You know why? I expected. And so, you and I have to understand that that faith is what Abraham's faith led him to believe what God was going to do. And as a matter of fact, I want you to flip back to verse 20 in chapter 4. And it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham was an old man. If you read down through here, it even tells us that the womb of his wife was dead, but he still believed God promised a son from her, and he believed that God would do it. God is in the business of doing the impossible. God is in the business of doing things that you and I don't understand. When you and I give up, he's getting started. Can I say that again? When we give up, he's getting started. And so we need to of trust in him and have faith in him. Now, if you read with me, he, he, Paul talks about that it is written for his sake that it was imputed to him, but for us also, in verse number 24, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, here it is, for our justification. Justification. The word, and then in here, therefore being justified by faith. You see, your faith in what Christ has done. There's a lot of people, maybe some sitting in here this morning. You will believe that Jesus was a real person. Jewish history will teach us that Jesus was real. As a matter of fact, you can read Josephus, Jewish historian, and there's all kinds of proof Jesus was real. He was really born where the Bible says he was, and he was crucified on a Roman cross. There is a lot of people that will believe that Jesus is a real person. But the trust and the faith and the belief is that he was not just a human, but that he was 100% God that was clothed in the flesh, John chapter 1, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the, in the Greek word means tabernacled. And it's a, are you with me? I'm getting into some, I'm getting into the rough, if you will, for just a little bit. All right? Uh, getting into some high weeds. That word tabernacle is a reference back to the tabernacle in the Old Testament, which is where the glory of God met in the Holy of Holies, but it was enclosed and covered by the flesh of an animal. And so the word tabernacled means that the glory of God was covered by flesh and stayed among us. I'm glad, aren't you? As a matter of fact, Peter... Peter and James and John got a glimpse when the Lord pulled back the shades just a little bit on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
and he was able to be seen. As a matter of fact, it made such an impact on Peter. Peter said, let's not go back down yonder into that valley. Let's not stay down there. What I want to do is let's just build us a place right here and let's just hang out on this mountain. Because he saw the glory of God coming out of Jesus. And so when you believe in him, trust in him, and then what mean, that means is you believe that he was 100% God, 100% man, that he was virgin born. He does not have the seed of Adam coming in, into his lineage and into his blood. Uh, Joseph was his stepdaddy. I, I, I know somebody may, may not think it ought to say it that way, but that's what he was. He was his adopted earthly father, if you want to put it that way. And, and so as, as, as Jesus was the son of God, he was also able... Uh, to be virgin born, lived a sinless life. Hey, listen, have you ever thought about this for just a moment? There was, he had to be a spot, a lamb without spot or blemish. Now, he worked in a carpenter's shop. Wouldn't it be something to be able to swing a hammer and never mash your finger? He said, Preacher, I don't believe that's true. The Bible teaches us in the Old Testament because Jesus said I didn't come to condemn the law or put the law out. I came to fulfill the law and those lambs had to be without spot or blemish. That, that high priest would look over them. There couldn't be any scars. There couldn't be any marks. There couldn't be any mats in their, in their wool. They had to be a perfect lamb to be able to provide a sacrifice to uh, be able to cleanse an imperfect people. And so Jesus lived a sinless life and a scarless life. Some of y'all don't believe me. That's okay. I didn't believe it the first time the Lord showed it to me either. But he had to have. Because if you read 1 Peter chapter 1, the Bible teaches us that we were redeemed not by corruptible things like silver and gold, but incorruptible by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And so in order for, so he lived a sinless life. He never, Satan tried to trip him up, but every time he did, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And three times, and Satan couldn't overcome the word. That's why it's important for you and I to hold the shield of faith and also to wield the sword of the spirit. We have to know what the Bible says to use it because he cannot deny it, he cannot defeat it, he cannot overcome it. And so it's, it's imperative for you and I to hide the word in, his, in our heart that we won't sin against God. You with me? You with me? <laughs> Some of y'all sleepy. Wake up, sleepy Gene. It's church time. Amen? And so we, we have to believe he lived a sinless life, but also that scarless life. He was not, there was not a blood drop spilt until it came time. There was not one mark on the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world until it was time. He lived that sinless life. He lived that scarless life. He died a real death on Calvary. He didn't enter into a coma. The Romans didn't even know what comas were. And when they went to break his leg, there was no need to break his leg. Because he was already dead. And that, that, that soldier pierced his side. The, the, uh, the doctors and research tells us that when he was on the cross and he was dying, that his lungs began to fill with fluid and that there was fluid around his heart. And the reason that the blood and the water flowed is when that soldier pierced his side, he punctured that cavity, that, 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 that thoracic cavity. Uh, I, I may use some words and I'm not real sure if they're where they belong or not, but you nurses keep with me because I'm having to go way back 
back to my biology classes in high school. But they pierced that thoracic cavity and when he did, the blood and the water flowed. Hey, can I say something to you? The blood is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness and the water is what washes us clean each and every day. Hallelujah to his name. He died on Calvary. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day was gloriously resurrected. It's not something that was made up. It was not something that was thought up. I, I mean, listen, you, 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 you do some research. There's still bones and remains in Muhammad's grave. Gandhi, he's still there. They still remains there. You start reading Confucius and all of these other major... Uh, Joseph Smith died. I hate to tell that Mormon crowd. Amen? Some of y'all can't believe I said that. Hey, listen, I've been loose-lipped all week because the Lord set me free. I'm bringing it home with me. I, I mean, listen, we are living in a, in, in a time and a place where it's offensive. It's offensive. Listen, sin is offensive. And the only way to be saved by it is to be saved by faith in the work of Jesus Christ and believing that He died on Calvary and rose on the third day. You can search everywhere you want to and he ain't in no tombs. They tried to find remains in a body and they couldn't. You know why? Because he was, that's exactly right. They ain't looking in the right place. Last time I checked, he wasn't behind no stone, wasn't underneath no ground. He was sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me and you and waiting on time to come get the bride. Hey, listen, you want him, you're going to have to look up instead of down. You're going to have to start looking towards the heavenlies, not in the earthly. Amen. Abraham had that faith. That faith causes us, we are justified by faith. Now, all of that's introduction. You with me? What does that word justified mean? It's a legal term. I, I've got all kinds of notes, but I'm just going to go with what the Lord's got on my heart, all right? There's three things that we need to understand about justification. The first one is, according to what the Greek word means and what the terminology leads me to, it means that I am acquitted of my sin. Because when somebody was justified... The word means that they were made just and they were made righteous and they were made and put in right standing. Now, the Bible teaches me that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also tells me and teaches me that all have sinned, that uh, there's none of us that are good, no, not one, and so we all all of us, every person that draws a mouth, uh, draws a breath through their mouth from the time they are born till the last breath that goes out of their lips, they are a sinner without, and they need a Savior. And the only way to be put in right standing is to put faith in Jesus Christ. And then we are acquitted of our sin, which means not guilty. Not guilty. Can I tell you, there's some things I know I'm guilty of. And when Satan says, do you remember you did this? Yeah, I do. When he brings up the past and says, you remember when you did this? Yeah, I remember I was there. 
But when he brings it up to a holy and a righteous God because of April the 28th, 1988 in a little Barry Chapel Baptist church in the men's prayer room, I knelt down and asked God to save me and I put my faith in his finished work and because of that, he acquitted me of all of my sin, past, present, and future. He has forgiven me of all of it. He's washed it away, wiped it away and when he looks at that record, the only thing he sees is Jesus Christ and he his righteousness because according to Romans 5 it's been imputed it's been put on me and when he went to Calvary he took my filthy righteousness and nailed it to the cross and left it there you ever thought about that he who knew no sin became sin for us he took off that priestly road I'm about to have me a fit I'm telling you a fit he took off that priestly robe and they cast lots for it he carried that cross up Calvary. And he, if you read in the Old Testament, that priest could not come into the presence of God except he was clothed in linen breeches that were white. He had to take off that glorious robe, leave it on the outside. Now when the work was done, he put the robe back on. Visit with me, Calvary. He took off that robe and he who knew no sin became sin. He put my cloth on him. He put my clothes on him. He put my nastiness on him and nailed it to the cross. But where's the robe? Where's the robe? Revelation chapter 19, I believe. If it ain't read 19, 20, and 21, it'll change your life, I promise. All the verses in them. Revelation 19, it tells us that there's Jesus coming and he's got uh, the, the church behind him. He's on a white horse. And what does the Bible tell us? He has a vesture. He's got a robe on. He's got a robe on. He nailed my filthy trash rags to Calvary. And now he's wearing the, the robe of glory. Why? Because he dealt with it. And he took it away. And now it's imputed to me the righteousness and holiness of an almighty God. And it's not because I preach. It's not because I'm Baptist. It's not because I've, I've put my faith in anything other than Jesus Christ and his holiness and his righteousness and his work. And therefore, because of that, I am justified by faith and I am acquitted, I am acquitted of my sin. <laughs> it's amazing to me. In the days of old in the Old Testament, you couldn't come into the king's presence unless you were invited. You couldn't speak to the king unless you made prior arrangements. But according to Hebrews chapter 4, I can now come boldly to the throne of grace where I can find mercy and obtain grace. Why? Why? Because I'm justified. No longer do I approach it and covered with my sin, but I come as a son and I'm able to come in and say, Lord, I need some help. And he says, grace and mercy will be yours. I'm justified, which means I'm acquitted of my sin. But not only that, which is leading me, if you will, into this next one, I am accepted by my Savior. Read with me right here. Well, you can't read with me unless you can read my writing. The direct of concern is 
of justification is with man's need of divine deliverance. It's not in... Uh, the direct concern of justification with man's need of divine deliverance, not from the power of sin, but from its guilt. Now listen, we need the voice which says not merely, you may go, you are let off your penalty, but you may come, you are welcomed into my presence and fellowship. Think about that for just a moment. I have done wrong. And he says, I forgive you. But then he turns around and he says, come anytime you want to. Some of y'all need to think about that and you'll have you a fit. Not only did he forgive me, Cecil, of what I've done, but he said, because I've forgiven you, you can come anytime you want into the throne room. You can come and approach me anytime you need me. Anytime that your heart, any, it's open. Doors open. How many times have you told anybody, doors open, just come on in. Ain't even known. I, I knocked one time on my granddaddy's door and I never will forget, you can say whatever, but there's little details that stick out in my mind. He had a Folgers can, he had spit his backer juice in and I could, I remember window was up, the screen door was up and I knocked on the door and I heard him spit that backer juice in that can. He said, son, why are you knocking? My door's always open to you. Hey, listen, what you saying to me this morning I'm saying not only are we acquitted of our sin but we're accepted of our Savior and we can knock if we want to but he says come boldly come with confidence you can now come you don't need somebody to be a buffer Jesus Christ is that intercessor for you and for me and he says son come in anytime the door's open to you I'm not only am I acquitted of my sin but I am also accepted of my Savior. Why? Because I put faith in what He's done. And I'm justified. I don't know if you have ever heard it. But there's a song, Justified Never Sin. And that's what it's like. I come in just if I'd never been guilty. <laughs> just if I'd never been dirty. Just if I'd Never made a mistake. And I have to put all of my trust in him. I was looking here at little KJ. KJ, have you ever got in trouble? I'm glad you didn't lie because your daddy's watching you. I'd have prayed for you before he got here. Have you ever done something, got the punishment, and then still been scared to go around your daddy because of what you've done? Oh, yeah. Hey, me too. Say, preacher, what's that got to do with anything? That's not the ability to come boldly to the throne of grace. He has already dealt out the punishment. He has already dealt out the penalty of my sin on Calvary. Does that mean that I need to come with arrogance? No. Does that mean that I need to come overconfident? No. That, but that does mean that I don't have to shy away. When he begins to deal with me, I can come to him and say, look, I'm sorry. I, I really am sorry for what I've done. And I'm going to put all of my trust in what you've accomplished on Calvary. And I just want you to know that I'm thankful for it. And he says, come on, let's talk about this. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 Jesus is standing on the outside looking in of his church 
wondering what's going on on the inside. But he didn't say, he doesn't say, if you'll let me in, we'll clean house. He says, if you'll let me in, I will sup with you and you with me and me with you. Supper time in Jewish culture was the best meal of the day. They had the most. They had the most food and they had the most fellowship. He said, you've pushed me out on the front porch, but if you'll let me in, we'll sit down and fellowship and enjoy each other. Why? Because of what he's done on Calvary. To be justified means I am acquitted of my sin. It means that I am accepted of my Savior. And it means that my actions are a result of my standing. What are you talking about? Abraham did everything he did out of faith. You endure tribulation and trials because it brings experience and then you have hope. And all of that leads to this. I am living the way that I, James chapter 2, if you want to turn your Bible. James chapter 2 tells us that I'm justified by my works. But it doesn't necessarily mean for you and I that our works justify us. So I want to break that down to you for just a moment. James chapter 2, I love a new Bible but I hate it because I can't find anything. James chapter 2 verse 24, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now listen to me, James is writing to Jews. So we're going to overlook dispensation of the time period of who he's writing to and I'm going to skip that for uh, uh, time purposes and we're going to go right to the application for you and me. What he's saying is my faith is going to make me work a certain way. My faith is going to cause me to live a certain way. And so I'm justified and because I'm justified my actions showcase my standing with God. You know why you come to church this morning? I hope it ain't because your wife or your husband made you. I hope it's not because you felt obligated. I hope it's because you got a case that can't help it. You couldn't help it and had to be at church. Because in reality, listen. Listen to me what I'm about to say to you this morning. In reality, the reason we ought to gather together is because we love Him. And if the body, the church comes together, he's going to be here. Why? Because she's here. Amen? And if I can get close to her, I'll get close to him. Some of y'all don't understand that. You and I as God's people, our actions show where we stand, acquitted of sin and accepted by Jesus. Little Bridges loves peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I believe her love for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is even greater than her daddy's love for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She, she told me the other day, she said, I'd eat them every time I, got, I can get one. Guess what daddy does? Gives her one every time he can because she loves them. She took a bite of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich the other day and it had grape jelly on it and it fell on her clothes. Last thing I told her, I said, now listen, don't try not to get that on your clothes. It's hard not to get jelly on your clothes when you're eating it and running your finger through it and eating it like that, you know. But here, she come to me. She come to me and she said, Daddy, I'm dirty. Daddy, I got it on me. Can you give me a paper towel? Can you wash it off? 
You see, there are times where you and I are living in this life and the filth of this world gets on us. I told them last night, I was driving up 40, right before you get off the uh, uh, Waynesville Clyde exit, and there was some girls in a, in a silver Buick car from Kentucky. And they wasn't paying attention to anybody else on the road. They were weaving from one line to the next, and that girl driving was singing, which is all fine and good, but do the speed limit, especially when I got to get to meeting. And she was coming down the road, and at 65, and her doing 55, weaving and singing. Well, I don't know if they could hear me or not, but I stuck my head out the window, and I said, bless God, get out of my way. They didn't, but I think the people next to me heard me or thought that, that rascal right there has got some road rage because they sped up, got in front of me, and I went, it was just like this going down the road. Say, preacher, what's that got to do with anything? I lost my cool. Now, I didn't say anything vulgar. I didn't say anything ugly. But I did want to tell them either drive or get out the car. Okay? Now, some of y'all, you, you may be super spiritual and not get that way. But when you got two hours and 40 minutes to drive to the church and you're running a little bit behind and, 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 and you ain't real settled on what you got to preach anyway and you want to get there and park a truck and be able to talk to God for a few minutes, you don't need to get there at 7.05 when the meeting starts at 7. And as soon as I went around them, old girl in the passenger side, her eyes was real big and she looked at me, I think they might have heard me. And she just hunkered down. And God said, ain't that some way for the preacher to act? Screaming and yelling at a car. You don't know. They could have been singing Amazing Grace. And I thought, not by the way she was singing. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we ain't careful. We'll get a little bit of that stuff of the world on us and we need to say, Father, please. You see, being justified isn't a license to sin. Being justified means that when I mess up, I need to come to him and say, I need you to help me. Daddy, can you clean this off? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But you see, because I'm justified, I know I'm acquitted of my sin and I know I'm accepted of my Savior and so that makes my actions show that. It doesn't mean that I'm going to do whatever I want to do and just let it roll. It means that when I mess up and I make a mistake and I say things I shouldn't do or I do things I shouldn't do or I get frustrated and my, my emotions lead my, my tongue or my actions, I can come and say, Father, you think you, think you can wash this off? You think, would you forgive me? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm justified. Justified and my works show that I'm justified. My works magnify what he's done in me. My outward doings, workings, my outward, if you will, Display is a show of what he's done in me, for me, and because of him. I, I'm glad today that I don't have to put trust. Now listen, listen to me. 
Uh, I'm going to give you, if you got any note takers, start taking notes right here, okay? Because I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying it's time, it's time to give somebody an opportunity to come to the throne of grace and be saved and some of us to get right. But I am justified by faith, Romans 5.1 and Galatians 2.24. I am justified by his blood, Romans 5, 9. I didn't read that to you, but you can read in uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9, it says much more than being now justified by his blood, which I magnified that without reading it to you, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, Romans 5, 9. I'm justified by his name, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. I'm justified by his spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And in Titus chapter three, verse number seven, I'm also justified by his grace. Now, what does all that mean? Verse chapter three, verse seven, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What does all that mean? I'm justified by those things. By faith in him, by faith in the blood, by faith in his name, by faith in his spirit, by faith in his grace. It justifies me. And because I have that right standing with him, and I'm justified, and I'm acquitted of my sin, accepted of my Savior, then I, I live a life that shows it. I tell you what, it might do us all some good if we started living like we were saved. The world might be a whole lot better place if we start living like God had done something in us and on us. Instead of you and I uh, arguing about foolishness and ridiculous things, if we just got together and got excited about Him... Because he's the only one going to make a difference. I'm thankful today that by his work on, on the cross, by his work in me, I can say to you that I have been justified. But what about you? What about you? You may be here this morning and have never asked Jesus to save you and you're living neck deep in sin, almost to drown under the waves of your sinful lifestyle. And you're guilty. You're guilty of more things than what you would ever, as a matter of fact, I, uh, the one time that I remember sitting in court, I looked over at a buddy of mine and I said, if I was a judge, I wouldn't even bother the lawyer with uh, telling them that... Uh, to, to try the case because I could look at your face and say you're guilty. He said, what do you mean? I said, man, look at you. You look like a Missouri mule eating saw bras. You're scared to death. And sweat beads are pulling down your head. I, I said, I just look at you and say, yep, he's guilty. Give him a slammer. He said, well, I'm glad you're not the judge. He said, why am I supposed to be? I said, man, did you do anything wrong? No. <laughs> then quit looking like you did. Hey, listen, Satan may try to make you feel like that you've got to walk around here unworthy, but you're made worthy because of the blood of the Lamb. He may make you think, well, you got no right to testify. you got no right, and you can say, I'm justified. I can testify to the goodness of God. I can talk and brag about the glory of God. I can tell you how he's walked through tribulations and trials with me. I can talk about all of this. Why? Because of what he's already done. You may be here this morning. Preacher, I can't do that. Then you need to come today. As I was sitting beside Lida this morning and she's coughing, not feeling it's still going on and all this stuff. And, but as we were sitting there this morning, 
I was reminded that Joshua said, I set before you today life and death. Choose life. And in the spirit of Joshua, I say to you today, I set before you guilty or not guilty. Right standing or wrong standing. Guilty or justified. Choose this day. Which one are you going to, are you going to keep walking and living in that sinful lifestyle? Are you going to come today and ask Jesus to forgive you? And when he does, he will acquit you, he will accept you, and he will help you to walk like you ought to walk. Or maybe, maybe it's been a while, Christian, since you just thought about all he forgive you from, for. All that he has acquitted you of. I tell you, sometimes I look back over my life and I think, man, I'd have whooped me up one side and down the other. Amen. My daddy told me one time, he said, if I know what you're doing, he said, if you're, if you're doing what I think you're doing, I may whoop you. And I thought, you would whoop me. Ain't no might to it. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> but I'm glad that we serve an almighty God who through justification acquits us and then says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Does your life show to others? Does your life let others know that you have been saved by His grace? If you'll stand. Um, sis, you pick that guitar. I, I want to... Uh, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond. I don't think it's by chance, by mere happenstance or coincidence that this young man stood before us this morning and confessed that he asked Jesus to save him, but he didn't do it here. He did it on his own when the Spirit of God began to deal with him. That is the beauty of the Jesus we serve. But can I say to you today that he has you here at this time for the purpose of responding to his gift of justification. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. I, I, need, I need to ask the Lord to forgive me and to save me and to, I need to ask him to give me that justification. If that is you, would you step out and come? We got some men around here that can lead you to the throne of grace, that can, that can help you and pray with you and show you in the scripture the steps you need to. Maybe you're here this morning and you just want to say, Lord, I'm glad I'm justified. I'm glad I'm acquitted by your, by, for my, of my sins. I'm glad that I have been accepted into the presence of, of your holiness and righteousness. Lord, as a Christian, help me, guide me, lead me to live that way. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and say, Preacher, I, I need to just live better like I've been saved. And she plays for just a moment going to give you an opportunity to say, listen, I need to do better. <laughs> I, need to, I need to show it every single day of my life.
And I'm thankful today for the finished, accomplished, victorious work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that needs to be done. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. And because he's already done it, I'm justified by faith in him. Father, we thank you today for all that you have done for us. And Lord, that's a meager, pathetic way to try to pay tribute to all that you accomplished on Calvary and all that you have settled in heaven on my account. But Lord, I want to live now based on what you have done in and through the work you have already done on Calvary. Help me, Lord, that my actions will show what I need to be and who I am in you. Lord, help this church to be what she was made to be, to be what you want her to be. It's in Jesus' sweet name we do pray. Amen. Living Christmas tree meeting around John Hall right now. I love you. Pray for me. If you think you might want to sing in the tree, stay around. If you think you might want to be part of a nativity scene, stay around. We need some camels and donkeys. I love you.